Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Monday, May 22nd, and on today's episode, we are going to break down both Game 4 Conference Finals, where we have a surprising situation of both series being 3-0 on the brink of sweep. So we will see which ways our best bets and our market reads are. But before I get started, I do want to say a few housekeeping things. First off, thank you to everybody who tuned in for the NBA Draft Lottery live stream. It was definitely a big success in my mind. I thought it went great as a show. I thought the turnout was higher than I expected. So I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who did tune out for that. I do feel like my audience and the people who do listen are pretty loyal. Uh, I think I provide valuable content. I think the people who listen to this podcast end up staying for more episodes because they realize that I'm not giving you my basketball takes. I'm going to give you some of them today. But generally, that's not what I'm doing. I'm betting numbers, and I'm betting strategy, and I'm preaching good gambling practices. So I would think the people who follow and listen end up making a lot of money and then roll over to continue to pay attention to what I say. So it is really nice to be getting that kind of feedback to having you guys show up to me hosting my first live stream. Hope to be doing more of those in the future. Um, And again, yeah, thank you if you tuned in and I hope you had fun if you did. Uh, What else do I need to hit? It's three in the morning. And the reason why I'm up this late with energy is because I fucking fell asleep during that absolute blowout and trouncing of the Boston Celtics, courtesy of the Miami Heat. Okay, we will get to that series in a little bit, but let's first start with Denver Nuggets up 3-0 in LA, looking to complete a sweep on the road. Uh, I am actually in a somewhat of a contrarian spot in this game, surprisingly so, but I'll go through it. I'm actually okay with it. This line opened at Lakers minus three and a half, and there was a quick tick to Lakers minus four. So I think it was DraftKings that moved it from three and a half to four very quickly, and then I grabbed an available three and a half on the board. Well, Pretty much everywhere I check the splits is reporting about 70% of the handle, the money, on the Denver side of the line. So the corresponding line has come move the other way, went back down to three and a half, and now it's three across the board. So, of course, me having a three and a half, not great considering there's a three on the board right now. Of course, that means if the game were to end in three, I would lose my bet as opposed to pushing it if I had gotten a better number. So that does bite a little bit. The chance on that feels very slim. Of course, it, it exists, and you always want to get the best number on the side of the bet that you're on. But I actually do like the Lakers in this spot. I feel like, let me give you two factual statements to start. The Denver Nuggets are up 3-0, and combined in those three wins, They have won by a total of 20 points. Now I'll come in with an opinion. I think there's been portions of this series where the Lakers clearly outplayed the Denver Nuggets. I think game three was totally baked in variance NBA shooting anomalies. Jamal Murray was 
out of his mind unconscious. Contavious Caldwell-Pope hit four third-quarter threes. Aaron Gordon was hitting threes. Bruce Brown was hitting daggers and putting in putbacks off air balls. On the flip side of that, LeBron was missing layups. Lonnie Walker was missing jumpers. D'Lo was missing everything. D'Lo's been pretty damn good in these playoffs so far. I mean, I think we could all remember through the first two and a half rounds. I say two and a half because playing tournament. Uh, the whole Lakers bench was doing the ice in the veins D'Lo dance. So D'Lo's gone ice cold in the veins in these last few games. He's been atrocious. So I actually expect to see we see less of D'Lo in a closeout game. They got to make some adjustment. That seems to be the place where you have to do it. We'll talk about how that affects the total in a minute. Um, I think the Lakers are going to put up a good fight. I think they're going to be desperate on their home court. I think role players generally shoot better at home. But in game three, we simply had a, a, a moment where Denver role players shot better and Lakers role players didn't. So it's it's an anomaly. These things are generalizations that road players, uh, role players shoot better at home. That is a general thought that occurs in most NBA games, as in more than 50% of them. So we can't be overly surprised when shooting variance comes in and a guy like KCP, who's played and won championships for the Los Angeles Lakers. He knows that building. He played there for years. So he's comfortable in that gym in crypto. He's Staples Center when he was there. So <clears throat> not can't be too surprised that he knocked down some big jumpers. Let's talk about the total here. It's pretty much a 224.5 across the board. There's a few 224s on the market. I am on a max exposure 224.5. So typical line movement hasn't been exactly how you want it. For a max exposure play, I'll explain why I went max exposure and how I'm reflecting on it in a second. Uh, line open DraftKings, 224.5. Line open points bet, 221.5. So before I get into breaking that all down, let's revisit game three. Game three ended just north of the 225.5 total that we jumped on. We cashed on the over, but I think it landed at like 227 because of some late free throws, it barely went over despite Denver shooting the lights out and the Lakers getting to the line pretty much at will. The Lakers had a ton of free throws. They converted on nearly all their free throws and Denver was hitting all their three. So there was like pretty good pace, pretty good efficiency, and both teams playing to their strengths a little bit and yet it still barely went over the total. It was paced under all game long. So to see it go over the 225 and a half total where we bet it at, it line closed at 226 or 226 and a half. So it even cashed on an over on a line that was trending up and yet points bet opens it at 221 and a half, DraftKings opens it at 224 and a half. That's because if you were watching game three, if you were watching the live lines, the under was probably going to be the winning side of that all game. There was some heroics in the last few minutes in the fourth quarter, whatever, to push this into an over situation. So it was clear when this line first dropped that I was going to be looking for an under. Uh, I think elimination game, go under. 
I think, fade Denver's ability to replicate that road shooting. I think L.A., if they're the team that you think is going to win, they're, I don't know if we're going to still call them the best defensive team in the playoffs, perhaps one of the best defensive teams that we've had in the playoffs so far. So when the Lakers win, we could probably expect it under spot in correlation to playing against the Denver Nuggets. So now let's read into the lines opening where they did. I've talked about this on the pod plenty of times. If this is one of your first episodes, please come back. You don't have to backtrack. I'll mention this again in the future. I like to hit on things over and over and over again. I really, really value points bet as a sportsbook's ability to price and be a market indicator for NBA totals. I find them to be a very sharp book. I find them to have high limits when you first open the lines, and therefore sharp groups like to target that book to place their first wagers on the market. Then you see bigger movements because they have larger handles coming in, and you could get reflective of where the market's going to trend based on where points bet is putting its numbers. So when DraftKings puts us at 224.5 and, and points bet puts us at 221.5, the first thing that was coming to my mind was wow, points bet was clearly trying to limit their under exposure. So what I do in terms of the strategy of sports betting is try and find where a sports book is trying to limit their exposure, where they're trying to say, we don't want to seem vulnerable in this position. Points bet was saying, we don't want to seem vulnerable to a Lakers Nuggets under. So we're going to push that line a little low. We're going to drop it five points lower than where the previous game closed, even though the last game went over. What does that tell you? That tells you points bet doesn't want you betting the under. So I found the best over, under number on the market. I found the highest number, which was 224.5 at DraftKings, and I slammed it. This was a max exposure three-unit bet. When you have these type of indicators in the market, that is how you approach it. When you have three points of difference between books, when you have, you're piecing together the story, you know one book is specifically really sharp with NBA totals, projecting this elimination game to go over, under and really lowering their number, then you want to grab the highest number on the board and fucking slam it. So that's what I did. But in kind of a surprising move, points bet has caught up to DraftKings. Caesars has caught up to DraftKings. FanDuel has caught up to DraftKings. We are now seeing 224s and 224.5s across the market. So I'm still on the best number that this line has ever seen. We have not seen a 225 for Game 4 Lakers Nuggets anywhere. By the time this pod is released, considering the movement's been ticking over, it's possible that that comes in. I'm going to let this ride. I'm going to continue it to be a max exposure play. I'm going to lean into the fact that I know points bet did not want people betting the under. So I found the best number on the board. I've said that four times already. I also know from having watched these games, I'm going to fade the shooting anomalies. And then the way the Lakers have been operating on offense is slow. They need to 
play way better transition defense because their transition defense was terrible. And they're picking apart and using LeBron in the post to create opportunities for other people, or they're using it Austin Reeves AD pick and roll game, which has surprisingly been fucking amazing. Um, those two things are generally slower paced things. They're like, get into your set. Let's let's tick down the shot clock. Let's slow down the pace. So for that game, for that reason, I expect this game to have a significantly slower pace. If this were a position where the other books had caught up to points bet and went to 221, I would have majorly escalated this. Now that I'm contrarian to the market and max exposure, I don't think I'm going to uh, get any more involved in this. Of course, that's what max exposure means. It means I've reached my limit. Of course, some rules are meant to be broken. Um, that's how I read the total. I'm on the under 224 and a half, and I'm on the Lakers minus three and a half. That's me knocking on my wood desk, hoping that we don't get a sweep. Let's talk about game four, Boston Celtics at Miami Heat. There's sometimes where I shout out some people who I consider to be good gamblers. And one of those people is Raheem Palmer. So shout out Raheem. He's someone that I've spoken to, I've spoken about, I've mentioned on the pod before. And as someone who has learned a lot from the way Raheem gambles and seeing some of his picks and listening to him talk on podcasts before. There's one thing that always sticks out in my mind that I consider like, oh, this is the way Raheem thinks. It's sometimes a line will shift so dramatically as a result of something feeling like such a small sample size. So let me explain that in context to the Celtics heat line. Game one, Celtics is like a seven and a half, eight, eight and a half situation. Heat win, of course. Heat are up 3-0. Game two comes back. Uh, FanDuel opened it at nine and a half for Celtics game two. Even bigger favorite. I think uh, BetMGM or like Barstool, one of those like, I forget what it was. Bet365. There's a few sports books that even put it at Boston Celtics minus 11. For game two, of course, I was on the Miami Heat plus 9.5. We cashed that bet. They ended up winning. I did not take the money line. Sadly, I should have. I normally correlate and take money lines when I take points on a dog, but I didn't in that spot. And then game three comes. Celtics open as a one and a half point favorite and are pushed out all the way to a four and a half point favorite by tip. So what my question is to the sports books to the people that are pricing these lines, is what the fuck has changed between Celtics minus 4.5 in Boston, in Miami rather, as a closing line, and then Celtics plus 1.5. Did we really just see like a five-point swing in the results of the way that one game played out? There is such little precedent besides a major catastrophic injury for a situation where we would react to what happened in one previous game and swing a line five points for the next game. The reason why I say this is a Raheem play is because 
he is all the time pricing it as sportsbooks overreacting here. And I think what's really happening, and I'll have to reach out to him and ask him, is why does that happen? Is the sportsbook realizing that their handle's actually been on the Miami Heat the last few games? I mean, game two, it's sharped towards uh, Miami. There was clearly Miami money coming in. Game one, I was on Dan's podcast in which we even said on the pod there was over 60% of the money on Miami, according to FanDuel. Game three, I think the money was still on Miami, and there was some late reverse line movement to try and get even more money on Miami. And yet, so maybe the sports book is saying, okay, we've done all that we can. The money's coming in on Miami. We need to artificially push this line pretty far and away from what our models are telling us. Now, those models that have told them things all year and have historically been pretty damn accurate have caused them probably to win a lot of money and price a lot of lines correctly. So the way I'm reading this situation is that this Celtics plus 1.5 is more of a reaction to the bets that are coming in and not the actual product on the court. So as I'm betting on the product on the court, I'm going to take the Boston Celtics plus 1.5. I actually think you could find a few plus twos in the market. Yes, you can. You could find plus two at DraftKings and PointsBet and Caesars. So FanDuel's the only 1.5 left. So go grab a Celtics plus two. I think this is a wild overreaction to go, what is that, six and a half points from four and a half to two. Of course, we can't really count the zero in NBAs because you can't end in a tie, unlike some other sports. So moving through the zero isn't really gaining much of a point. But that's the way I'm viewing this. In the total, I have not bet the total. The the Boston Celtics plus two was a one-unit bet for me. The Lakers minus 3.5 was a one-unit bet for me. And the under 224.5 was a max exposure three-unit bet for me. Anyone who gives you a lock of the day, five-unit play on Twitter, they're fraudulent. Um, the Celtics heat total, before I get out of here, opened at 214.5. We've seen movement towards the over in every game, and I think we've seen every single one of these games cash in overs. Uh, of course, being on a brink of an elimination game means maybe you trend under. That's the historical quote-unquote trend. Um I am not on it. The market says over. This is the highest number that's been on the board for this series in an elimination game. So for me, I'd rather just play the Celtics plus two and leave the total alone. I think that's going to wrap up our slate breakdown. Of course, let me remind you guys, I think I forgot to do this in the beginning. Follow me on Twitter at mfiddle14. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast Share it with some of your friends and join the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. And thanks again if you tuned in for that live show. As always, peace out.